What number is this, Chip? Zilch 144. That's right. Instant replay, side one, round table. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm sure I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. Today's kind of a light day for me. Today is one of those days where I get to sit back and listen to an episode of Zilch along with you. We welcome back Jeff Hewlett, David Ghosty Wills, Jeff Geringer, and Melinda Gildard. And the four of them are going to deep dive into Instant Replay Side 1. That's right. There's some fun stuff ahead, but before we get there... And in sad news, we've lost Rip Taylor. This episode is dedicated to Rip Taylor. My maniacally warped plan is almost complete at last. And soon it will be 12 o'clock. Could you die? And they will. (laughs) And then I will throw the main power switch, which will activate the magnetic freeble energizer. And that'll release the incredible power of the Protus. And with the aid of my villainous henchmen, I can control the minds of millions. Z-Pow! <laughs> hey, boss, look at this. Look at this, your royal wizardry. Uh, you got some? Not you, dumb Karina. What is it? My goodness. Well, it's the Monkey Man monitor. It ain't been activated for five years. Those incredible swine. Not swine, monkeys. Nah, they dare try the bastions of my citadel. <laughs> you mean they're coming here? Correction, they think they're coming here. We'll end it before it even begins. Quick, release the two-headed org. <laughs> I don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> I just want to lay down in the grass and be cool. want to thank you for all the laughs sir this episode is brought to you by john billings and his wife amy billings and amy billings has created a true nashville hangout space called wine down nashville a music and event-based boutique wine bar a true nashville experience they are located on 2720 old lebanon road suite 111 in nashville tennessee that's right music city We went there recently, and we had a great time. We loved it, and I think you will too. And while you're there, try one of the fine wines and get a Nashville jam plate, which has a bunch of goodies on it, or some of their delicious Nashville jams. That's right, jams like no other. It's yummy and fantastic. They also have T-shirts and merch available. You can go to www.windownnashville.com or find them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash windownnashville, all one word. Wind down as you wind down. Tell them Ken and the Zilch staff sent you. 
We'd like to take a special moment to wish John and Amy Billings a happy anniversary. Yes, that's right. Today is their anniversary. We love you guys. We want to thank them for sponsoring side one of our discussion on Instant Replay. And without further ado, I can see that Jeff Hewlett's turned on the record button, and I'm going to man the producer's chair here. Let's sit back and listen to Melinda, Ghosty, Jeff, and Jeff talk about Instant Replay, side one. standard three count and we will start with part one of instant replay so three two one hello out there in Zilchland. welcome back to another musical roundtable on zilch your monkeys podcast and on this episode we will be covering side a of the album instant replay and of course as always we have our all-star panel back again to talk about this record starring with our first up our semi-transparent, ghostly panelist, David Ghosty Wills. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. How's everybody? Wonderful, wonderful. And next up, we have the always informative Mr. Jeff Geringer. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, everybody. Looking forward to it. All right. And last but not least, the fantastic Melinda Gildard is back once again. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jeff. What's up, Zilchers? All right. So... We're going to dive right into the first half of Instant Replay. It is the seventh studio album by the Monkees, issued about six months or so after the cancellation of the television series, and it is also the first album without Peter Tork. So um doesn't include any songs featured on the TV show or any of the reruns, subsequent reruns. And uh, for me, um, we're going to talk about our overall feelings on the album here to start off with. And for me, this album represents kind of a return to the short form pop songs. I mean, the last few albums or last couple of albums rather have been a little bit of a different direction for the monkeys. This kind of feels like a return to the, the pop roots, you know, the very short songs, very few tracks even hit the three minute mark, let alone go over it on this album. And I think... I'll set up a little bit of a cliffhanger here. There's two songs in this album that are tied for my favorite song on the record, and uh, we'll get to them as we go through. And I can't make up my mind which one is my actual favorite, so maybe one of you guys or one or more of you guys can sway me uh, to pick an actual favorite here. So let's go around the horn and talk about our uh, overall impressions of Instant Replay. We'll start off with Jeff Geringer. I think it's very encouraging, this album. If, if they would have taken this cooking structure where they all the pieces they put together to make this album and they did it again and again i think they might have had a much better chance of being a standalone pop act as opposed to just doing something that were a soundtrack to the tv series i also thought of these songs you know mike's songs sound like mike davy's songs sound like davy you know they have definitive sounds definitive styles at this point and i think it's a really nice tasteful album all right, Ghosty, what are your thoughts on Instant Replay as a whole? Well, it's sort of the good times before good times. You know, you've got oh. some new songs, some leftover songs that were great, but for whatever reason weren't issued at the time. I think that this album stands up. Maybe I should say that, save that for the end <laughs> of this discussion, but I think it stands up with any of the uh, pre 
head records. Um, I first got this. This is the first Monkey's studio album I ever bought. I had had compilations before, but I bought this on cassette. I don't know when that was, I guess, 88 or whenever that these came out on cassette. And what I remember about it was I, I didn't realize that Peter was not a part of the group at this point. I didn't pay that close attention to the album cover. Granted, it was small on a cassette. Yeah. But I remember at this time that for whatever reason, I was sort of feeling down and I was a bit depressed. And I picked up this record because I, I thought, oh, look, here's a, a, a Monkey Studio album. I, I've never listened to one. So maybe I'll give this a chance instead of Greatest Hits Records. And I put it on and I'll get emotional talking about it. It was sort of like, hey, these are all songs I've never heard before from my buddies. And I'm not alone. And this is really cool. I've I've got these great songs and these are my pals singing. And at least for that night, anyway, I felt like, uh, you know, things were going to be okay. So for me, this is a very, very special album. Wow. Really, really cool insights. And Melinda, what are your thoughts overall on instant replay? I love it. It's, it's so underrated. And to be honest, I heard so much crap about it before I actually listened to it. (laughs) Me too that I just thought, oh, you know what? Should I even waste my money? And once I downloaded it, I'm like, are you serious? This is a great album. Mm-hmm. I think it, it stands up with some of the, the earlier albums. I wouldn't place it alongside, you know, uh, Pisces or Headquarters, but it's my fourth favorite Monkeys album. And there are some really good tracks on here, really good tracks. Overall, I I don't think it's an upbeat album. It's kind of depressing. So I'm surprised to hear that Ghosty actually got... Um, <laughs> inspired by it because this is not an album that you play someone who's near the edge <laughs> it is not it is not going to change uh, anything for you if you're already um in a mood where you you lost your love or you lost your job or your career is in a toilet you do not pick up this album if that's the case but it's definitely quality and, and most definitely underrated now you know i have to say i i'm and please zilch listeners don't take this the wrong way i've judging by the fact that all four of us have pretty overwhelmingly positive things to say about this record, I'm really surprised at the amount of negativity I've heard about this record over my years as a Monkees fan. And I, I could never really understand why. And obviously, I know, Melinda, you just mentioned it to yourself that you couldn't understand why after listening to it for the first time. And I, I really, the only theory that I can think of is it's the first Monkees album that wasn't all four guys uh, on record together, maybe there was there was some you know chips on people's shoulders about it, but I, I really never uh, from a musical perspective, I, I could never understand why people had such a negative opinion of this record. And do you guys have any thoughts on maybe why that would be aside from the fact that it's the first album without Peter? I don't know what else it could be. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that, you know, people say, well, there's recycled material on here, but that's every Monkey's album, (laughs) every single one. You know, you have tracks that were left over from the previous album. So that that argument doesn't hold water. I I think on just a very surface level, it's got kind of a crummy cover. I mean, I like the sort of I like the little pictures, the you know, in the rainbow, but the three photo, the original cover, not the CD reissue. The three photos in the original cover, 
um, are kind of unflattering photos of the, of the three monkeys. <laughs> and I can see True. why, when it was reissued on CD, that Rhino chose better photos. You know, at least Davy smiling, for, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, on the other one, it looks like um, you just tapped him on the shoulder at an inopportune time. You know that, it <laughs> and you know Mickey looks like a chia pet. Yeah, and, he does. <laughs> and Mike is, you know, it's just a profile of Mike. You know, it's like here's my dig my sideburns. You know, it's sort of, it's a it's a strange image. I like everything else. It's just those three photos are kind of off putting. It's like mm. these are guys who don't look like they're in the same room together. <laughs> they probably weren't. <laughs> and you know, funny, I just kind of turned my head around because I have the handmade box sitting behind me so that I could see, uh, get a reference point to, to what you're, you were getting into. Now, you know, the, all three photos are not well framed either. They're kind of jarring the way that they're arranged there. That is a really interesting observation. Um, they're not symmetrical at all. They don't line up well. Right. And they're sort of, you know, here's Davy's head minus a, minus the rest of his body it's sort of floating yeah, it's something about it yeah it's something about it's a bit off mm. they look like newspaper cutouts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and that's why i mean it's the only as far as i know it's the only original monkeys album that rhino tampered with and changed the images interesting yeah i didn't, I didn't really think about that i don't it, that was on the, the original cd release that they changed i don't think i have the original cd release of that album as far as I know, the original vinyl has, if we're looking at the same photos, and I just pulled it up online, the original vinyl has three white photos, like just the monkey's disembodied heads floating in three squares that have, have a white background. And the reissue that Rhino did took photos that sort of have like an orange background, and they're in much... If you go to the Wikipedia page... You'll see what I'm talking about. The original. Now, when I bought the cassette, it had that original cover with the white photos. Yeah, it looks like the handmade box went back to that original white backgrounds as well. Ah, yeah, for historic purposes. But the, the CD reissue went with more welcoming photos. Oh, interesting. I, I, I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to look that up. If you guys out there in listener land have any opinions on this uh, cover and, and why, of course, if you have negative opinions of this album that contradict ours and we would love to hear some reasoning for that other than the fact that it's the album without peter on it the first ones you know link up with us but if you do have problems with it hang around i'm sure there'll be some songs that we don't like <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i wouldn't doubt it i can say i have a couple but that's you know we'll we'll, we'll jump into the track list now actually since we're perfectly segueing into it. and we'll start out here on side a with the first track uh, entitled through the looking glass written by red baldwin and tommy boyce and bobby hart lead vocal by Mickey Dolenz, guitar Keith Allison, Wayne Irwin, Jerry McGee, and Louis Shelton. And we've also got bass, drums, attack, piano, played by Bobby Hart, and some strings and horns. And uh, Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart actually produced this song. It was originally recorded uh, during the sessions for more of the Monkees, but this version was re-recorded during the Birds, the Bees, and the Monkey sessions, but didn't wind up being included on that album so that was around december 30th of 67 and december 20th of 68 through the looking glass you call my name then you run for 
the protection I reach out to hold her But it's just a reflection Through the looking glass You've been looking at your life through a mirror It's time you started seeing things a little bit clearer Than I really love the piano work in the background of this track. It definitely feels like an older monkeys track to me, like an like a, almost a return to form. Not necessarily my favorite Mickey vocal, but uh, I do like the very Mickey ending with the ba 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 part. I can't sing, sorry guys. But um, <laughs> all right, let's let's quickly get away from me. Let's let's go over to Ghosty. What are your thoughts on Through the Looking Glass? Well. Anytime it's the 60s and you're referencing Alice in Wonderland, I'm all in. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I like it. It's a very Beatles track. I don't think it's the, the best track on this album, but it's a good one to start the album with. And yes, Mickey's ba-ba-ba at the end, it's almost like how high can a human being possibly <laughs> sing? Um, it's almost on the verge of squeaking, but it's... It's great. And I enjoy the song. It's sort of a, you know, where the porpoise song on head is sort of a mystical psychedelic tune. This is sort of psychedelic rock that you would hear on an episode of Schoolhouse Rock or something. You know, it's just it's sort of whimsical and fun. You don't buy any weed in the stairwell. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Jeff Garinger, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on through the looking? That was a great analysis. That was super. Yeah, I, I like the song. I think it's kind of fun, but for me, it's one of those songs that has a, a very glaring image attached to the song. I don't know how many of you were lucky enough to see the '87 tour. It's my favorite tour because they did more TV stuff style humor in that tour than they ever had before. And one of the pieces they did was through the looking glass, and Mickey came out in drag. Oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> and I always had visions of him prancing around the stage in this, you know, and it looked like something right out of the TV show. So I always associate Mickey's drag appearance with Through the Looking Glass. But it's, it's, it's a cool song. I mean, I understand it's a throwback, but I don't care. Hmm. Melinda? I don't hate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's always good. It's always good to start off with... Because you know a butt is coming, but... <laughs> I think they have completely outgrown it at this point. You know, it's mm. it's 1969, and when you listen to the rest of the album, it's more current or even, you know, uh, forward thinking and feeling and sounding. And this record, I just feel like they have outgrown it. And as far as an album opener, absolutely not. You know, we're used to She and You Told Me, and, you know, we just finished up with the Porpoise song, and then we get through the looking glass. 
And theoretically, that should be a, a great album opener. But to me, I'm like, uh, uh, I've heard better. Um, so, you know, it's definitely not one of Boyce and Hart's best songs to me. Yeah, I won't comment on Mickey's vocals be- because it's always great. But mm-hmm. I just think that this they could have left it off. Interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe this would have fit better on an album back when it was originally recorded in the more yes. of the monkeys days. Yeah. It, it would have fit the uh, the time period a little bit better. Yes. All right. So let's see. Uh, let's move on to track number two. Don't listen to Linda. and heart track lead vocals by davy jones guitar by tommy boyce jerry mcgee and louis shelton uh bass by uh joe osborne we've also got some drums some strings and horns produced again by boyce and heart um let's see you know the the intro to the song always reminds me of the uh the nancy sinatra tune something stupid for some reason um, huh. it, it kind of sounds a lot like it. I, I, my brain always goes into something stupid, uh, not saying the song is stupid, but that's the title of the other song, but, um, not a bad song in my mind. Kind of, kind of a bit on the average side though. Uh, it does kind of remind me a little bit of the older Davy Jones slowies that we were used to, uh, in albums past. So Jeff Garinger, your thoughts on don't listen to Linda. Would you listen to her? Well, I don't hate her, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's okay. It's it's just okay. I, I it's just okay. It's hard to get emotional about it or even sentimental because it's just kind of one of those album filler tracks that mm. you know you you don't think about much after it's gone. Hmm, Melinda. 
I, I completely agree. Um, I do prefer the earlier version. With this one, they slowed it down and just threw a whole bunch of, you know, it, it's overproduced to me. They slowed it down. It's overproduced. Um, the only thing I love about it is, you know, J, uh, Davey's vocal. I think he does a great job on the vocal, but the song itself uh, is past its prime. Hmm. Interesting. Ghosty, your thoughts? I'm going to be the booster for Don't Listen to Linda. I First of all, Davey's vocal is great on it, and I love this treatment. The earlier version, I mean, it's okay, you know, don't listen to Linda, but mm-hmm. this this way, <laughs> you know, it's kind of got a little bit of a Burt Bacharach feel to it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's on the loungy side, but I sort of enjoy it. You know, it's it's cocktail hour with Davy Jones, and he's he's telling you about how he got his heart broken. Um, I like the horns on it. You know, the only thing is, it's a it is a bit generic sounding, and if you if yeah. you erase Davy Jones' vocals and had David Cassidy singing, it could be a Partridge Family song, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, but yeah. um, as it is, I like it. I don't think this is really the place for it on this album. Right after Through the Looking Glass, mm. we go to Cocktail Hour. I think it should have been placed somewhere <laughs> a little later in the track listing, but that's just me. <laughs> pour me a glass of old fashioned and put on that Linda song, would you please? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, maybe the sequencing of this song would have been better if they put it in a different place on the record. Maybe we can kind of speculate on that as we go through some of the, the other tracks here. And we'll move on to track number three on side A I Won't Be the Same Without Her. same without her this is a goffin king tune uh lead vocal by michael nesmith with harmony vocals by mickey dolans and there's actually peter tork playing guitar 
on this track along with uh, Glenn Campbell and a few others. And, um, you know, this is also produced by Michael Nesmith, by the way. I always like to mention when the Monkees produce their own tracks. So um, this was recorded much earlier. Uh, this was recorded in uh, 1966 in July. And I'll, I'll go out and say right now this is tied for my favorite song on the album along with one of the other ones that we'll talk about in a little while. And I love, always love Mike and Mickey harmonizing. Always makes for a great sound. Uh, awesome lyrics, great, great hook. And, uh, the, you know, it almost sounds like it, cause this could have been written by Nez himself. Melinda, what do you think about I Won't Be the Same Without Her? It took three tries, but here we go. Now we're cracking it. <laughs> no, now, now we're into a monkey's album. <laughs> here we go. This song is amazing. It's my, it's, it's my second favorite, but it's so close to being tied for my favorite song on the album. Ness kills it, and it has such an R and B feel. I love that, you know. And he he sings it flawlessly, and it is, even has like a gospel feel to it. Um, mm. the, um, also, and, and I just I love it. The chorus is rock completely. I love the fact that Peter's on it too, playing. But um, it, it doesn't sound like it was recorded in '66. In no way would I believe anyone telling me that it was recorded in '66. I would think. Late, uh, late 60s, early 70s even. It sounds so ahead of its time. And think about what else he was recording in 66. You have Sweet Young Thing, Poppy mm-hmm. Jeans, Blues. It sounds nothing like this, but that shows you just how versatile of a vocalist he is also. Yeah, great points. Uh, Ghosty, your thoughts on I Won't Be the Same Without Her? What sort of sick, twisted, evil mind would have kept this off a monkey's album in 1966 yeah really Mm -hmm. i I mean honestly this is such an incredible song by goffin and king incredible performance everything is in the pocket here mike sounds great mike and mickey together you've got peter on this track which means you know had there not been contract issues you could have put peter's face on the cover of this album and maybe people would have had a different perception of it but when i first heard this record I liked Through the Looking Glass. I had heard that song before on the Monkees Hit Factory compilation. I enjoyed Don't Listen to Linda. When track three came on, I just sat back and went, wow. Mm. Oh, my God. This is one of the all-time great Monkey mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. So this, for me, is, I know it's early in the album, but this is my favorite cut off this record and easily in my top five favorite Monkey songs. Wow. Can we go for a, a, a perfect four here, Jeff Garinger? <sighs> Come no. on, Jeff. Come okay, on, Jeff. I'll take mine. No, <laughs> there we I, go. no, not at all. I love the song. And I, one of the reasons I love it is I love it when Mike does other people's music. Nothing against his own songwriting because it's brilliant. But I, I love the way he interprets and, and does harmonies. And A, it's, it's fun to hear the title of the song in the lyrics which you know Mike had a, a habit of not doing, uh, but I just I really like this song. I, I I'm kind of with Ghosty. I, I wouldn't. It's not one of my all-time favorite Monkey songs, but it it certainly is tasteful. And again, how it was sitting around for a couple of years is beyond me. Yeah. Yeah. Sit, sitting on the shelf with I I don't think you know me, which also should have been released. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I think we can we can say that about so many of the monkey songs that yeah. were in the vault that came out. But that then we'll... there's Ladies Baby, and oh. then you have to start go down another path. Oh, that's a bummer. I uh, like Ladies Baby. How many sessions did they have to do Ladies Baby in to make it 
worthwhile, and it still was never released. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Moving on. The next track up is Just a Game. There's a way. There's a way for you and I. If you'll just stay. If you'll just stay to keep me hidden from the day. And all its light that's covered up by night when you're away. When you're away, the image of your face is clear. It is clear across the room, and I am here. Against the wall, afraid that it is all just a game. Just a game that's played in fun, but not too real. Not too real to take a chance on finding out you've really lost. I can't see you clearly while I'm here. While I'm here and you are in my state of mind. My state of mind is changing places all the time. And I am lost trying to get across another time. When you're away, the image of your face is clear. It is clear across the room. And I am... Just a game. Written by Mickey Dolans himself, lead vocal Mickey Dolans, and backing vocals by Coco Dolans. Mickey plays an acoustic guitar along with Tommy Tedesco, and we've got a whole bunch of other people playing a lot of different instruments on this track. Aside from bass, drums, and percussion, we've got a harpsichord, a violin, a cello, a trumpet, a French horn, a trombone, and a flute. So there's tons and tons of stuff produced by Mickey Dolans himself. So written during the sessions for Headquarters, and recorded during the sessions for Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys, but not used on that album. So recorded in Hollywood, California, April 9th and June 7th. So uh, great lyrics on this track. I love the Mickey's lyrics here. Penned a really great song. And uh, the return of the classic uh, Mickey vocal on this album, finally. And it's a really great arrangement, a lot of detail buried in the mix. And you guys know how much I love you know, uh, honing in on things going on in the background of monkey songs so let's kick this off with ghosty mickey's a weirdo ha (laughs) (laughs) what i mean is that his songwriting is like from somewhere else Hmm. his songs are always so unique and a little strange and it's almost as if he overshot what he's going for a lot of the time but I really enjoy this song. I like the message of it. And this fits into a theme. And I didn't even think about this until Melinda mentioned that this is, could be a depressing album. And now that I'm looking at the track listing, don't listen to Linda. I won't be the same without her. Just a game, me without you. <laughs> Clearly, I had been dumped. So I had been dumped when I first got this. And I'm like, why did this album cheer me up? Oh, because I was commiserating with the monkeys. This is kind of a... Wow, this is really a downer. It's a breakup album. This is mm-hmm. this is the Monkeys breakup album. But just a game, it's it's just a unique composition. It is so short that it doesn't wear out its welcome. Unlike a song later on. Okay. All right. Nice record. Put the brakes on. Mm, all right. Put the brakes on. Let's not go there yet. Whoa, whoa. You're fighting words. I let's, know. Let's not go there yet. Let's let's go to Jeff G on just the game before we we sink down a rabbit hole we can't get out of. I know, but I got so excited over that rabbit hole. Oh. 
you know, it's a, to me, it's it's a nice cut, and I, I'm with Ghosty in that the lyrics are really kind of tasteful. You don't get them when you're a kid. You get them when you're older. Mm. But it, it kind of was was just an okay track on the album. It's nothing nothing that I listen to over and over. Hmm. And I agree with Ghosty that Mickey's weird. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. Mickey, <laughs> if you look at Mickey's body of work from a songwriting perspective, it's kind of all over the place. It's always a little bit quirky and interesting. Uh, oh wait a minute. I, I let me let me cut myself off before I go where we were going before. Uh, Melinda, your thoughts on just a game. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a perfect. Uh, Mickey is weird. <laughs> so <laughs> like, <laughs> Mickey is weird. Um, and this song, it's not Randy Skousegit. It's not Mommy and Daddy. Better than another track on this album. I enjoy it somewhat. Uh, it's not bad. But when it starts off, just lyrically, I don't know where I am. I don't know this place. Don't recognize anybody. I'm like, is he on a bad trip? You know? (laughs) 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 Hmm. Okay. But, you know, his voice brings me back and, you know, it's pleasant enough. So, you know, I don't skip it. Hmm. All right. So let's see. Next track up is track number five on side A, Me Without You. I wonder just how long it will be Me without you You without me We had a fight last night about something Without You, yet another breakup song, uh, written by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, a lead vocal by Davy Jones. And we've got some guitars, bass, drums, and keyboards. It's a little simpler of an arrangement. And produced by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. So uh, recorded in Hollywood, California, February 3rd and December 20th of 68. Now, I I love the guitar break in the middle of this. It feels really Beatle-esque to me. Yep, Mm -hmm. sure. And uh, yeah, excellent, excellent vocal. Uh, by Davey. Uh, Jeff Garinger, your thoughts on Me Without You? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's the production and the instrumentation on this song that really make it. You almost would think that it was recorded in 66, and it wasn't. It was recorded in 68. It's got that kind of retro monkeys feel to it. Mm. And and I, it's one of the nice songs on the album for me. Oh, interesting. Goes to your thoughts. It's very similar to the Beatles song, Your Mother Should Know. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Yep. If it reminds me of any Beatles tune, it's that one. But look, you know, whether it's Cuddly Toy, Daddy Song, Me Without You, Davey just excels at this kind of song. It's impossible not to listen to it and want to sing along or have a smile on your face. The guitar break is fantastic. Everything about this, and maybe I'm a little crazy, but when I hear this song, Me Without You, I can't help but envision Davey dancing. He's in my head, Mm -hmm. dancing around, and when it has that little break, like, bump, like he's, I could see him doing it. (laughs) It's, It's just, it's tattooed in my imagination so <laughs> i just i absolutely adore this track yeah i think every time i hear the bump from now on i want to think of davy kind of bowing with the top hat exactly and the cane yeah melinda your thoughts absolutely adore this song too I, I absolutely agree with everyone else this is a great track the guitar break to me it takes it to another level where it rises above his previous tracks and it gives it more the rock feel so you can dance to it and imagine Davy dancing and, mm. you know, bob your head. And it's, you know, it's just such a sing-along song. You know, you're right there with him. And even though it's a sad material, you know, you're singing, <laughs> you know, you're oblivious to it, you know. Because right. The melody is so catchy. So yep. you can't help but smile, even though this guy is in so much pain. So <laughs> smiling through pain. That's right. That's what this album's all about. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's the best boys and heart track on this album. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it is the best boys and heart track on this album. And you know, I, I do. I agree with you too, Melinda. That I love the the um, you kind of got the saddish sort of lyrics, but the arrangement and the vocals mm-hmm. in the song kind of stand in contrast. Yes. To that, so it kind of takes the edge off the pain there. Maybe that's right. what helped Ghosty get through his breakup. Wait, <laughs> this song healed me. <laughs> <laughs> the healing powers. The healing wow. powers of Davy Jones. <laughs> and Boyce at Heart. Oh. You ought to put together a KTEL record, Ghosty, of, right. of all the songs. Oh, <laughs> wow. There's a blast from the past. KTEL records. Oh, all right. Well, we've gotten all the way down to the last track on the first side of Instant Replay. So this will be our last track in this segment. And that is number six, Don't Wait For Me. Don't wait for me, I'll be a long time coming, unless by then you have told me something that shows how much you care. I've done much more than as a man I should have. Why did you not do all you could have to show how much you care? Over and again I wondered, was I wrong? I keep thinking I maybe should have come along. Comes a time in every man's life when he must be strong, and my time's come. So if you're gone, then I guess I'll cry and hold Don't Wait for Me, written by Mike Nesmith, lead vocal by Mike Nesmith, acoustic guitar by Harold Brady, steel guitar by Louis Green, bass, banjo, drums, and organ as well, produced 
by Michael Nesmith and Felton Jarvis, uh, recorded in Nashville, Tennessee on May 29th of 1968. And this, for me, is a return to the the country crooner style Nez tracks. And I always think you can't go wrong with these styles. He has such a knack for doing these types of songs. I can't help but love all of them. And uh, Melinda, where do you stand on Don't Wait For Me? Mm, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Oh, <laughs> oh my heart. Oh, I couldn't. I'm sorry. It's just too boring. It's too boring. I'm sorry. I want, you know, I want Mike to, you know, bear his heart and his soul to me the way he did in Nine Times Blue. That's what I want. Oh, nine Times Blue. This was one. not Nine Times Blue. No, this no, was no. not Three Times Blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's not even one third is blue. Right. That's nine times. It's just boring. He's so much better than this. He he just threw this on there. It, it, no. <laughs> Nez, you can reach uh, Melinda at Melinda on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> I'm sure she'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Oh, man. Send, send her a free case of uh, liquid paper to make up for it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Ghosty, your thoughts on Don't Wait For Me. Would you wait for it? Well, let me just say that there will be no infinite Tuesday for Melinda. But... <laughs> Don't wait for me. Anytime you can get Nez doing his country rock numbers, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm there. And his chord changes are so interesting and unique. They go in places that you don't expect them to go. They sound, It sounds like you know uh, a musical trope you've heard all your life, and then it goes somewhere else. But it it's always catchy. His his compositions are always catchy. He's always got a strong melody, and you know lyrically, Nez is Nez. And this is not like some, you know, freaky calico girlfriend kind of Nez, but, you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's still an enjoyable laid back track. And it's a good side closer, too. I like it. I don't think it's it's sadly n- not nowhere near. I won't be the same without her. But no, no. this would be of the Nez vocals. This would be the number two for me. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm. And Jeff Garringer, do you share that perspective? No. Melinda, you okay? Sorry, when, when he said number two, I'm like, oh no, there was another song coming up. Are you serious, Ghosty? Oh right? yes, I am. Oh yes. Oh, okay. So the battle was on. This is Back on. Be, this is going to be one of the worst kept secrets of where we're going to go, but I won't go there. <laughs> My take on the song is, I always enjoyed the ones that he did in Nashville with Felton Jarvis. Yeah. I think those were the the beginnings of his country rock phase. And I also think it's it's it has a completely different style than things that he was cutting under the monkey's banner in Hollywood. Uh, the song's okay. I don't hate it. But to me, it's it's one of those early things that puts the thought in your mind about where country rock can go. Mm. All great, great, great insights. I I'm, I'm always love talking about this stuff with you guys. We've, we've gotten to the end of side one of the album and like we always do we're just going to quickly go around the table one final time to get some final thoughts on side one of instant replay before we close out so let's start off with melinda your thoughts overall on side a it starts off a little slow but there is a lot of meat in between and um i I think you know again uh, it's a great album so side one i think holds its own with side two all right ghosty it just needs to be resequenced. Mm. I, I agree totally with Melinda. There's, there are some meaty parts that need to be moved, maybe a little mm. bit to the front of the line. Hmm. Interesting, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, I, I think it's funny that we brought up that it is it is a breakup album. It certainly was for me. Uh, 
but it's it's kind of funny to to see how you how these things evolve you know depending on what age we became monkeys fans when these songs clued into us you know whether it was when you're you know 10 or 20 or 50 or whatever you know the, these songs mean something so it's kind of kind of interesting about when you were old enough for them to mean something to you hmm yeah, great, fantastic insights as always, you guys, and it's been a it's been a great fun talking about the first half of this album, and I'm really excited to get to the second half. And remember, everybody, I did say there's one other song that's tied for my favorite, so we're gonna get to it on the next segment of Instant Replays. I'm gonna leave you hanging for a little bit. So as we're getting ready to depart, we'll go around and talk about where people can find us online if they're looking for us. Melinda, where can people find you? I am on Facebook. All right, Jeff Garinger, where can people find you? Yeah, it's free. Facebook. <laughs> All right. And uh, we'll go third third time to start. Hey, Ghosty, can they find you on Facebook too? Twitter. Yeah, oh. no, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I am on Facebook, sure. Uh, look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop over on Facebook. Like it, live it, love it. Fantastic. And I, of course, am J underscore B-E-N-J on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. You'll find me hanging around the uh, the Monkey Zilch group uh, for this podcast. And also you can check out my other podcast, the TricorderTransmissions.com, if you're a Star Trek fan. We talk about the original series and plenty of other stuff. We have a whole network of Star Trek material. You can find me there too. And thanks, of course, for tuning in to our roundtable, the first half of Instant Replay. We'll be back with you very, very soon with the second half. And we'll see you next time. Wow, there is some controversial opinions there on side one. I'll let you know what I think when we do side two. I'll come and drop all my knowledge, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to tip my cards. If you don't have the instant replay handmade set and you can find it, I suggest you get it as soon as possible. As good as instant replay is, it's it really opens up, and there's so much about what could have been. That's all I'll say for now. Before we go, I want to also thank another sponsor of our show today, and that is Christine the Button Queen. That's right, Christine Carlson Wolf. She's an insurance agent by day. As a matter of fact, she's my personal insurance agent. She takes care of both our car and our home insurance. If you want a great deal, chances are she can hook you up. Take it away, Christine. Hi, everyone. Christine Wolf here. You might know me as a podcast host or announcer, or by my formal title, Christine the Button Queen. But I have a secret identity. I'm an independent insurance agent. That's right. It's nonstop excitement in my world, and protecting people's most important business and personal assets is a big part of it. With clients from coast to coast, it doesn't matter whether you're in Clarksville, Rockford, Gotham City, or a galaxy far, far away. I can help you. Give me a call for your free quote. If you're a business owner or decision maker, let's talk about an insurance portfolio custom fit for your needs. And on the personal side, whether you own your home or rent, have a driving record that's squeaky clean or not quite the best, I've got you covered. Oh, and about those monkeys collectibles you have? Yep, I can make sure those are protected too. I've put together a team with decades of experience of risk management and analysis And my relationships with dozens of insurance companies means that I can put together an insurance program tailor-made for you. So give me a call today at 314-657-2995. That's 314-657-2995. Or email me at christinewolf 
at cjthomas.com, or you can even PM me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you and get the chance to run some free quotes for you and earn your business. I cannot recommend her highly enough, so I want to thank you for listening to Zilch today. We'll be back next week with side two of this discussion. Hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to hear you tell a monkey friend. And remember, always take some time to monkey around. Listen to the ads after the credits here. We will see you. Peace and love, everyone. Be good to one another. That's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Araculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history. You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blogspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972? One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmark, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks. Duck season. Rabbit thiefin'. Duck season. Rabbit thiefin'. Wabbit season. Duck thiefin'. Wabbit season. Duck thiefin'.
when the world and I were young, just yesterday. Life was such a simple game a child could play. It was easier than to tell right from wrong. Easy than to tell a weak from strong. When a duck should stand and fight or just go along. But today there is no day or night. Today there is no dark or light. Today there is no black or white. Only shades of gray. I remember when the answer seemed so clear. We had never lived without or tasted fear. It was easy then to tell the truth from lies. Selling out from compromise. Who to love and who to hate. The foolish from the wise. But today there is no day or night. Today there is no dark or light. Today there is no black or white. Only shades of gray. Only shades of gray. Is he crying? didn't hang her up. She got hung up. What's the difference? She's in trouble. So what do you want to do? I want to help her. Sure you want to help her. I'd like to help SJ, too, but I can't. He's feeble-minded. Hey, knock it off, fellas. Hey, Wendell's right. We should help Vanessa. I'm Tim Powers from the Zilch staff. You know, Zilch Nation rule number one is no personal attacks. That means you can disagree without being disagreeable. For instance, saying that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame committee has terrible taste in music is disagreement. To say that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are nail-biters and that their mothers never, ever loved them is being disagreeable. Debate the issue, not the person. I'm Tim Powers, and I'm too busy looking for a place that sells Yardley Black Label to put anybody down. Jones Organic Tea is a line of premium organic loose-leaf teas officially licensed by the David T. Jones Royalty Trust. As he grew up in post-war Britain, David and his family gathered around the teapot daily, spending time with each other, celebrating victories, drying tears and calming fears. And wherever life took him, from his family home in Manchester to stables full of thoroughbreds, or the stage and screen... David always held his native English culture and his family's traditions close to his heart. When he moved to America in the early 1960s, David carried on the tradition of his homeland and his family. 
Upon arriving in New York, one of the first things he did was to locate two English grocers, one in Manhattan and one in Greenwich Village, who could provide him with the proper English tea he needed. As he raised a family of his own, David continued the traditions of his upbringing. Sharing tea with his four daughters became an inherent family value that they all still honour. Taking time to enjoy a cup of tea with loved ones was his way of connecting and nurturing a consistent, calm oasis in a busy life. To David, taking tea meant taking time. Time for himself, time for his friends, and most of all, time for family. Tea is so much more than just what's in your cup. It's all about slowing down and taking time for family, friendship, community, and ourselves. Please join our friends and family list at jonesorganictea.com. Yeah. You know, as a, as a musician, um, um, it's been obviously, made it very hard. I would love to entertain every day of the week and perform and give and learn and develop and be, you know, you know, because life is is a very, you know, condensed um, place. And with the family and with the friends and with the time spent working on working and all the rest of the stuff, it goes real fast. I think it's really, we need to make some, you know, major phone calls to the powers that maybe be that are not ours. And, you know, just give us another 20, 25 years. So we live till we're at 125 or 150. So it goes by so fast. So, it? yeah, my dad used to say so that. Fast. He said, son, son, it goes fast. It goes real fast. Mm-hmm.